Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Small Council Radio, where we would discuss everything A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniature game by Simon. Uh, so today we have with us uh, Justin, Jose, and Chris. Dave will not be here. I'm not sure if he said he's coming on a little bit later or if he uh, if he won't be here at all. But uh, so I guess that means that. Uh, I get to be your host of sorts tonight with, with my co-host. So um, today, I think the the main um, topic of conversation, we're going to cover some of the things that were leaked at the CMON Expo and kind of give our hot take on those and what we think about them and try to generate a little bit more buzz uh, and just uh, kind of go into what we think. So how are you guys tonight? Fantastic. I got some ice cream, so that's a plus. Plus, we get to talk about new stuff coming out, and that is uh, generally like reading new rules and seeing new stuff is like my favorite part of the hobby, um, which I guess for a lot of people it is because it's, it's that excitement factor, and you know, um, but I, I love it a lot, so it's really big for me. Yeah, same. It's one of my favorite things to go over usually. And, uh, start the conversation with the um, I think maybe a little bit underappreciated House Targaryen. Uh, let's start with the House Targaryen Unsullied Pikemen. So we know that they've got the from the you know the, the previous releases uh, we know that they've got the 3 plus defensive save. I guess we've kind of covered these guys a little bit so um, I am saying I'm still going to lock my guess in for these guys being at least nine points. Um, having the three-plus defensive save and being immune to tokens is really, really strong. So my guess, as, they're, as they are right now, would be nine points. Uh, you guys can add anything else you want to add. I don't think I was on the show when we covered these, so um, that's just what I'm going to give for this point is, is my, my guess on how many points they are. Uh, I think they're probably going to be nine points. Like I don't, I don't see how they could be ten points, uh, considering like everything's from the front for them. So, you know, one thing gets around them and it nullifies most of their abilities. Plus, what do they have? Eight dice sitting on three for first and second ranks, something like that. And then they go down. So, while they can do plenty of damage, they're not going to be demolishing or like. Mo- mowing anything over. Uh, in fact, I would say their damage is probably equivalent to Halberdiers because Halberdiers have Sundering, even though they hit on fours. So I couldn't see anything over nine. Uh, yeah, I would say the same. Probably about nine. I just I think in general on Sully so far, I think I think they're all going to be kind of just like more expensive elite units, and then I, I think nine points sounds about right for them um, for what they bring to the table. So. Do we have Chris on? I don't want to be skipping him if he's on. I, I announced that he was on, but I don't know if he's here. Uh, I think he might be running late, possibly. Okay. All right. No problem. So we will move on. Uh, this is probably the elephant in the room, and it, it received some pretty considerable attention on Facebook. And I think most of that attention for everyone who isn't a Baratheon player is kind of in the negative sense. So let's just go ahead and talk about the Relore Lightbringers. They're next on the list. So we've seen their profile. Uh, 874 
uh, they have vicious. If you fail a morale test, or if you fail your panic test, you take one additional wound. So as we are now, that's D3 plus two wounds. And then uh, another unit in short range is forced to take a panic test as well. So um, a lot of panic potential, and I think everybody sees the incredibly obvious combo, uh, adding the, uh, the red priestess to make vulnerable, vulnerable as you shoot, and then panicked for the panic test to really, really add some heavy panic damage. Um, so it's interesting because they're the first long-range unit that has vicious. Then they've got the, 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 the mechanic built in to do additional wounds from failed panic tests, and it's right in theme with the the whole Stannis Baratheon. Uh, it's, it's a panic-focused army. It's a panic-heavy army. They don't have Cersei uh, or a character like Cersei that's adding negative influence for the round, but they, God, they have so many ways to hand out panic tokens and just do panic damage. So my initial take on these guys, they feel, they feel pretty strong. Um, as I mentioned, long range vicious is something that we really haven't seen before. And I put a lot of stock in vicious. Uh, I'm already afraid of the relore faithful. That's, that's the unit I really don't want to see across the table for me. Now adding in the Relore Lightbringers, who have that Relore keyword as well, um, some other possibilities are opened up with uh, the fact that the when the Relore Faithful die, if the Lightbringers are in long range, they would be able to make a free attack. So the combination that came to my mind immediately is you take your um, Relore Faithful and you almost kind of suicide them. You throw them into the middle and so you get one attack that's got vicious and presumably, you know, you've got the red priestess in there to do a little bit of damage. Then that unit dies because you kind of throw them out into the middle and then on their way down. Well, obviously if they live through an attack, they're triggering their pseudo Lannister supremacy and maybe ours is the fury. But if you get them with last stand on the way down and then they die and then they trigger one of their faith tokens and the light bringer shoot them that's possibly two straight free attacks in a row for whoever kills the Relore Faithful. So that's the combination that came to my mind, and it just seems incredibly scary to me. I'm very afraid of units that have Vicious because panic damage is so punishing right now, particularly with panic tokens basically on demand with Shira and with the Red Priestess. So that's my kind of take on them right now. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm very afraid of this unit. I'm afraid of... uh, an almost all relore army. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be if you did an all relore army in general. I think you'd be kind of an expensive army, but yeah, there, I agree. There's a lot of cool combos. I mean, if you look at the unit just for what it is, like just the stat card. I mean, it's not, it's fine. But then, like you said, I think when you start putting combos together or attachments like the priestess, or even if you do like the, I don't know, let me, let me check before I say it. Let me double check. The, the OG stand is if he adds critical blow to any attack or just melee. Let me see really quick. I don't remember which one it is. And oh, it's melee. I was gonna say I was thinking about putting him in there, but it's a it's melee though. But you know, when you start putting different attachments or different combos, that's gonna be the kicker. I think is what makes it going to make them seem like crazy. But I think if you look at the unit just for like base, what it is, it's not 
you know, I think it's fair, but you know, that's that's where I, I kind of stand with it. That I think that anyone who knows who's like more of an experienced player that can pull off combos with it, it's going to be a pain for them. Like Teddy Pony. Uh, I don't know about like expensive. I think it started off looking expensive because of the seven point Rulor Faithful, but. I mean, look at these guys. They're only six points. That's, you know, like five points is a cheap unit. This is an elite-looking unit that's only six points. Um, they're not, like, super sturdy, but they're sturdier than a lot of, like, glass cannon infantry are, especially archers. Uh, they're sturdier than basically all free folk, sturdier than cutthroats, sturdier than... Um, I'm probably missing something here. Guardsmen without a captain, but I'm not sure who does that. No, they're not as sturdy as that. Anyways, uh, six points for this, and like Brett said, just, I mean, eight attacks hitting on three with Vicious, and then, like, what, up to five wounds? Like, an easy four wounds because of a panic token? Um, that's going to be really rough, and range units have possibly, depending on the situation, easier ability to get into flanks because they're shooting from 12 inches away, and their shift really helps with that. Uh, these guys are going to be super strong. Um, I think it's really concerning having something that has Vicious on range, but uh, I guess we'll find out. At least Melisandre isn't like Cersei, so there's a plus there. Yeah, so it's interesting because Jose mentioned some of the synergies, and and in my spiel where I just rambled off and said a whole bunch of things, I I forgot to mention uh, another really obvious combo. So with a, a, a profile like 874, which in fairness, bowmen are... Dark bowmen are eight eight four, and the crossbowmen are seven seven three. So they don't lose any attacks until the last rank. These guys lose one, but still being at seven at second rank is nice. But with them barely diminishing in their attack profile, they seem like a really good place to put Salise and uh, Shireen, and and do the auto D three wounds each time they attack. Because if you trigger the um, wounds from the attack, it's a mandatory panic test. So um, even without spending that vulnerable token, just by you can spare the red priestess uh, because most of the time vicious is going to be enough to make them start failing some panic tests. And as I mentioned, you've got Shira who can put a panic token down for you. So you put Celine and Shirese on there and they are forced to take a panic test every time that unit attacks, um, no matter how defensive the unit is. And I think you'll eventually start to whittle them down. But then, interestingly, Jose mentioned OG Stannis as well, which means that you can get access to tactical approach. So you can stack at long range eight, seven, four attacks, throw Selene and Shirese on them, do D3 wounds, if you've got the Red Priestess in there, you don't even need to spend the Vulnerable Token because you're forcing the Panic Test, and that's what you're after. So you hold on to that Vulnerable Token, especially if you have a really nice attack anyway, like you roll six, five or six hits or something. Save the Vulnerable Token, let them take their wounds, let them take their Panic Damage, and then after it's done, do D3 more, and you're almost starting to get to one-shot territory. And uh, that's pretty crazy at long range having the potential to one-shot. I mean, it's, like, super scary, right? Uh, I'm not really sure what can handle it right now. I mean, like I said, even if you try to shoot them with other range units, you're not, like, in a super good place anyways. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have the ability to, uh, to survive that a little bit better. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, think I think their morale makes them 
I think it makes them sturdier than people think. So a five-plus defensive save with a six-plus morale really is not that – not horrible. It's better than people think because panic is doing most of the heavy lifting. So they're a little bit less susceptible to crown zaps than the rest of the long-range units. Well, I think in general, too, I think a lot of the standard stuff tends to be, like, uh, morale defensive. So, like, there's tons of different cards and buffs you could do to, like, help with that as well. But it, it is going to be tough to, to shut them down with morale. One thing I think that is important to note, though, um, a lot of the Brathian cards don't really work with this unit. Um, like, their generic cards, a lot of them, what do they have, like, three different um, engaged triggers? So that's six cards at least in the deck that are not usable generally with this unit. I mean, I guess if you're engaged and you stack resilience and kick them in the face, that would suck. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, they're not going to benefit hugely from generic cards, though. With that said, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of it, but I think some commander cards will be fine. Well, and I also think yeah. in general, too, I mean, they're they're going to they're more like they're going to hang it back. They're going to hang back. They're going to do their thing. They're not really going to be in combat that often so it kind of i guess it makes you you have more cards focused on your melee units then too i guess because like up until now every unit that you know stannis has had has been melee so like melee units so this would be like the first time that like you had their, their base card don't work so it just gives you more of a focus to go to play them it's also worth mentioning that not only do you generally not want your ranged uh like your bowman type unit in combat <laughs> These guys, their attack profile is horrible. Their melee, I don't know if, if you guys noticed it, but I think it's 5-4-3 hitting on five. That's like free folk trapper level of horrible in melee. And their melee attack does not have vicious. It's the bow that has vicious. Their daggers do not have vicious. So these guys do not care at all to be in combat. Uh, I know we, we do the ABC for... Uh, like uh, heavy cab, always be charging. These guys are ABS. They need to always be shooting. So you, <laughs> they have no business being in a fight. Yeah, they are particularly terrible. But like I said, I'd be pissed if I charged them, they survive, and then they stag resilience and kill me. I'd be the worst. Like, I got to them finally. They can stop shooting me, and I'm dead. Yeah, that card <laughs> is nasty. I, it's really interesting, I guess, just a really quick side note about Baratheons. I know they have great NCUs, but it's really interesting to me that you don't see uh, Alistair used very often. I think he's brilliant. Um, their cards get increasingly nastier when they control the crown and the letter, and if you can use Alistair to kind of grab the zone that you don't have, then you like he's a really good way of procking uh, the zone that you need to get nasty cards, particularly Stag's Resilience. That card gets to, like, ridiculous level good when you control the letter. Like, healing D3 plus 1 and then dealing D3 plus 1 gets insane. Uh, obviously, with the Rose Knights, which we're not talking about here. But uh, with that said, before we jump off of them and we're talking about their profile, let's touch on another little thing that uh, I think maybe some people haven't noticed. The indicator on the bow, the the long-range indicator, it doesn't say anywhere on the card that they're long-range. If you look at the arrow, the bow and arrow, there's an L in the upper left-hand corner. Now, that's something that's totally different. So, and then the fact that it says subject to release, subject to change before release is kind of like, uh, like I think there's something more to this picture that we don't know. Because if you didn't play this game already and know 
just by the fact that you played, you might miss, like, uh, well, how far do these guys shoot? Like, we can see it because, you know, we're looking for long range and short range. So it tells me that maybe there's at least some kind of addendum coming to the rule book or is something else changing? I don't, I don't know. But to me, that, that caught me a little bit off guard. I was, I was, like, looking at it. I was like, maybe these guys are short range. And then I'm, I'm looking around, and I don't see where it indicates in their abilities what their range is. And then I, I saw it in that, the, you know, right next to the bow icon. So I found that interesting. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Um, uh, I noticed that too, but I, I thought it was more like, I didn't mean, I didn't take it as maybe they're doing changes to the rules or anything. I, I took that as more like, I think they're just saving space on the card. Like on the, cause usually they have it listed on the right side. And I think that you don't need to, like the L has a good effect. So I don't, but they have so I, much I room on the space. card. Yeah, and maybe in space. this case, but who who knows? Like, if they're working on something else, that's going to have more text, like fill up, and they just it's a way to everyone to save space for things in the future, like going forward or something. I might I just be a way to. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say, saving space on the card is probably a valid point. But the what I was saying, I'm not saying that they're completely revamping the rule book, but you would think that they would at least have to add an addendum into the rule book that says, "Oh, sure, range sure. attack." Ranged attacks will be identified by an L or an S in the corner, L indicating long range and S indicating short range. They would at least have to plug something in there. Yeah, yeah so. no, that makes sense. And and not not to jump the gun, but also the uh, Greyjoy Bowman had the L, too. Oh, he's yeah, ready for these Greyjoys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pumped about them. But yeah, I said, not, not, not to change topics or jump the gun, but I just wanted to throw it out there. That they're also a new unit coming out, but also has the L, too. So. No, you're good, because I think I think the Lightbringers were probably going to be the, the the talk of this show, I think, because it's kind of... <laughs> I mean, appropriately for what the unit is, it's kind of got Facebook on fire right now. I've seen several conflicts, and uh, uh, I actually had some people tagging me into some of these conflicts on Discord and on Facebook, like, yo, Brett, tell them what you said in the other room. I'm, like, just slowly <laughs> backing away from it. Like, I I'm said not this one right now. <laughs> I said nothing. <laughs> so, so moving on, uh, yeah, the next thing we can talk about is some of the Greyjoys. Um the next thing I have here is the Iron Makers, but no stat card. Uh, the Champions of Stag, I believe, were already covered in another right, episode. We got the Iron Makers stat card. Oh, well, I don't have it in the order of what I'm looking at. So. Oh, I got it. You want to talk about it? Yeah, let's talk about them. Let's talk okay. about them. So, you take the lead on this one, Justin. Tell me about the Iron Makers. They're looking real <laughs> similar to Stag Knights here, uh, stat-wise. However, they do diminish instead of Stag Knights. So your 5-inch movement hitting on 3, 7 attacks looks like 5, 4, and then 4 defense and 6 morale. So a little less morale, which, uh, depending, we don't know their point cost, I think, right? No, it doesn't look like it. Uh, they got crit always, which is nice. If the defender rolls any 1s on defense dice... I think they become weakened. It's a little blurry, but uh, they got the pillage thing up to two tokens. And then uh, for each pillage token they have, they get plus one to the fence die roll, which can get a little out of hand, in my opinion, especially if you uh, will talk about it. But you can see with the bowmen that there's obviously additional ways to get pillage tokens, uh, the bowmen, and then obviously just attacking. So 
That unit having a two-up defense save, depending on their point cost, not that it's going to get out of hand, but I think it's going to be a pretty solid centerpiece unit. Uh, they got cool names and big hammers. At least it says great hammers, so I think they're cool. Um, what do you guys think about them so far? Yeah, so I, I honestly I hadn't read too much too much into them. Um, I try to absorb everything as a whole, but uh, yeah, it's kind of so it's somewhat similar to the 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 faith token adding plus one to defensive saves. This is a pillage token adding plus one to their defensive saves. I like it. Um, well, it's sort of like, not to interrupt you. Uh, it's sort of similar, but you don't spend pillage tokens. You just get the buff right. for the pillage tokens, which uh, could arguably be better yeah presumably it could be yeah that's a good point so yeah i think it's cool um maximum of a two plus defensive save they've got a six up morale so you've got ways to attack them and and do damage besides just penetrating their armor um i think it's good i think the i i think the meta could uh benefit from some things to kind of shake up uh, some of the some of the things we see all of the time. So uh, the prevalence of units with a two plus defensive save might um, do some good to uh, start to change up the way that the start guys are just leaning on sworn swords right now. Um, sworn swords are a great unit for five points. Uh, sworn swords with a wolf carrier are not getting through a unit that has a two plus defensive save they're just not they've only got one northern ferocity card uh they're not leaning into their sworn sword captains like they used to and darks a little bit and i don't run sworn sword captains but i would love to see um some some shakeup in the way that these lists are built you know leaning on the the sworn sword captains and the berserkers leaning into those umber champions to add vicious to their to their attacks and maybe you see a little bit less of the the units just being brought to uh, basically caddy a dog. Uh, those those uh, mercenaries with Rickon, and their sole purpose is to caddy Rickon. They they're not going to do anything. <laughs> and uh, having an innate critical blow. I mean, if they end up in combat with these guys, uh, they're going to not have any trouble peeling a rank off of uh, those mercenaries that are carrying Rickon and and get themselves back to a two plus defense. And they. The, they they just don't have anything for them. So maybe we will see, uh, you know, pyromancers come back, and maybe we'll see uh, great axes get used again, and maybe we'll see uh, those those uh, other attachments that the Starks have. I think that's a really good point. Um, on top of that, these guys also are capable of dishing out weakened tokens, which really helps their survivability as well. Um, I... I never had a problem with two-up save. Like, for example, the only thing we had really was Flademan, right? And then we see Champions of the Stag. Um, I never, like, my opponents never had a problem getting through my Flademan with enough pressure. Like, they're a 10-point unit, so you don't expect a 5-point unit to crush them. But with 6-up morale, like you said, that's their point of weakness, and that's that's a very manageable point of weakness, especially now... Um, that the panic has changed from what it used to be in the beginning uh, because having six up panic means the most you could take is a six on a double one, but how often are you getting a double one, right? Or not even six. Um, but how often are you getting a double one is the point. Uh, so now you like these guys would take way more panic than they would in the beginning of the game uh, damage from it. So I think they will be perfectly manageable. 
Plus, if you can get to them before they start racking up pillage tokens, uh, they're also very susceptible to dying at that point. Um, however, I'm sure there'll be more than more than a one type of jankiness to get them pillage tokens. We'll see, though. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my initial thoughts with these guys, um, outside of the points you guys brought up, would be that uh, they seem to me they're going to be the uh, kind of like the glue for the army, right? Because everything else seems really like um, attack focus, maneuvering focus, and then they're to me they're kind of like they kind of fill the same spot like the Fens do with the free folk, like where they're gonna like be the rock for the army, and that's kind of where I feel like it's gonna be with them. I mean, granted, we only have three armies, uh, three uh, units to look at for them, but that's that's where I think that's like where I think their role is gonna be for this army. What do we think? Uh, at... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, what do we think are the point cost gonna be? Um, point wise, I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be seven. I could see them being seven. I could see them being uh, seven. I'm I'm guessing eight off the top of my head. I think uh, it relates back to Brett's comparison to Warrior Sons personally. Yeah, but the, the only reason um, I wouldn't say eight is because they're gonna be in the starter box. If, I think if they weren't in a starter box, I would lean more to them being eight. But because they are going to be in a starter Stagnets? box, I feel like. Oh, I guess Stagnites are eight, right? Yeah, that's true. And mm-hmm. veterans. Nightwatch yep. veterans are eight as well. Oh, Jose, your theory. <laughs> My theory is out the window now. <laughs> we love you, man. <laughs> I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to ruin your day, but your bubble is burst. It is, man. I was thinking, like, you know, but that's a good point, though. I, originally, I thought seven, but I guess it could be eight, though, considering that. I don't know. You think people will be happy with them at eight, though, or you think they'll fall into that trap where stagnates are right now? I, I think um, it's seven. Do you think it's a seven? seven? I think I think it's seven. I think I think uh, you you already mentioned the the counterplay to them is to get to them before they get their tokens and you know blast them while they're stuck at a four plus save. It's not overly different from uh, dealing with warrior sons, uh, even if they're They've only got one pillage token and they're stuck at a three plus save. It's still pretty manageable. Um, Sworn brothers do exist. They are so nasty. But uh, that aside, I think seven points feels pretty appropriate for them. I think eight, eight would maybe be a little bit too much because you do have things that can alpha strike them and and catch them um, before they get some of their buffs. So, uh, without it, it'll depend uh, because I don't know enough about the pillage tokens and how easy they are to get. I don't know if there's other mechanics to just give them pillage tokens to start with. So under the assumption that they have to earn them in some kind of a way, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in my guess at seven from what I see right now. I guess I do it at eight because of the pillage token thing. I've been saying since we first saw it on the the Reavers or whatever they were that I'm like a hundred percent certain that there'll be multiple ways. If that's like a, a, a faction mechanic as a whole, why would commanders and cards and NCUs not influence that? Um, yeah. But you, you have right. to decide who it goes on. But uh, because of those Reavers too, I mean, I think what well, we all agreed when we first saw them that we think they're a five point unit, five point unit hitting on like what? 10 dice hitting on twos or something. If they have two pillage tokens, that's pretty nasty too. Yeah. So, that's really nasty. I mean, they die easy, but I'll take 10 dice with Sundering, I think, hitting on twos, if I can give out pillage tokens easy enough to them. 
I don't know. Anyways, should we move on? Yep, transition us into those bows. If you've into got them bowmen. So we got the Ironborn Bowmen. They are natural squishy bowmen with a 5-up save and 8-up morale. Nothing we haven't seen before. Um, about 6 attacks uh, for the first two ranks, hitting on 4s. So their attacks are more or less abysmal, right? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to going to look at them and be like, ooh, yeah, that's that's what I want to be killing stuff. <laughs> but they have two abilities. Uh, they can re-roll attack dice when attacking enemies in the flank or the rear. So if you do happen to be there, uh, you're going to be getting, what, four and a half dice on average. So we'll just say an even five hits in the flank or the rear. And then if they complete an attack for each rank that was destroyed, one friendly unit with pillage in long range of the enemy gains a pillage token. So, uh, I don't know how I feel about these guys. I mean, like I said, uh, I called it with the pillage token thing. I mean, it seemed obvious, uh, but six dice hitting on four too. How reliably are you going to be getting that ability off? The rerolls help, but I think point cost more so than most units that I see is going to be the determining factor, whether this unit is useful or not. Yeah, I would I would agree. That's gonna, that's going to be the key because I I I kind of feel like if their points are not where they should be, see them being kind of like the the Dothraki outriders where they're like not really used as much. Um, but because they're, they're clearly a support unit, they're they're supposed to really just get those tokens out there for your for your other guys. But if they're priced wrong, then why, I think a lot of people just go without them. Yeah, um, you you kind of covered the the core aspects of them. I see them defensively. Um, they're free folk raiders. Um, it's not anything overly impressive. Um, their attack profile isn't fantastic. Uh, I'm guessing on the high end, they're five. They I'm guessing maybe four though. I don't know if four is too cheap. Um, four or five. I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't lock that one in for a, a real solid guess, but that would be my guesstimate. They have I gotta hope they're not six. Picks, <laughs> no, dude, they're definitely, uh, you're paying a point per dice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, giving out, giving out the pillage tokens is, it's no joke, I guess. Um, I mean, that's quite significant. Maybe but do it. If they, if they target things that have a low morale, they could peel a rank just by squeezing a wound in and then the panic do the heavy lifting for them. Um, I don't know. Um, I so think, one thing, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that I think they're going to be four. I would like them to be four. I could see them being five, but five, I put them into that. We're not going to use them category. Um, so I'm hoping that they're four. And then the other thing I did want to bring up really quick too, is I wonder how often they're going to be on like a real flank. To like pop off their first ability, um, so that's that's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Uh, I think it, it's kind of weird because you would expect range units to be able to get into the rear and flank later in the game, and it seems to me that pillage tokens are something that needs to happen early in the game. So it's kind of like they're filling us. What the? Sorry, uh, <laughs> I got attacked by a dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, it seems to me like they have conflicting 
abilities almost. Not not to say like it's bad or anything, but uh, pillage tokens definitely the earlier you get them out, the better, obviously. Um, and then I was also gonna say pillage tokens as a army mechanic is very swingy. I think not that I don't like it. In fact, I really like it, but. Uh, against more durable armies it's going to be more and it'll be progressively less useful so if you're fighting a very healy defensive version of uh baratheons faith militants a john snow vet list stuff like that it's going to be i think a very uphill battle definitely Did everybody disappear? Is it just me? No, it's not just you. I was oh, okay. giving, giving Jose an opportunity. Um, I think it's interesting. Oh, you're good. I, I think I'm it's, waiting for you. <laughs> I think it's a cool mechanic. I think, uh, you know, we're just spitballing and we're speculating. I think a lot of it depends on um, what they have going for them, you know. Um, I think thematically, an ability like Outflank would fit somewhere, some kind of way. So if you can get them on the board, maybe like round two when things have started to advance forward and you get that flank shot, uh, we don't know if they've got any movement trick, uh, you know, what some of their commanders are doing. So it could be interesting. Um, there's kind of a lot of variables, so it's it's hard to say. But for me, if they're – I like ranged units. Um, I tend not to lean into them too much. Uh, because they tend to get a little bit pricey. Uh, Builder Crossbowmen, for example, at seven points. Uh, they're really, really good, but it's tough for me. Um, Lannister Crossbowmen, they function best with an attachment. Um, and I really like Stark Bowmen by themselves for six points. If these guys are, if these guys are cheap-ish, I could see myself definitely running them and maybe even running two units of them because I really love the idea of using ranged to soften up a unit. Whenever I play against a ranged unit, it's always, it's always tough for me because of the zone control that they give. Um, I think anything with long range is worth, is worth some points and they're worth taking, especially if these guys are cheap. So, so here's a point to go off of what you said about if there's an ability to outflank or anything like that. Uh, there is, and we already know there is reaver captains. They have the outflank ability. Uh, we don't. I don't okay. think we ever found out their point cost, but that was uh, that was from the first leak of Greyjoys, right? Like way back when. When was that? Was that Adepticon? I don't even remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think it was Adepticon. No, you're right. So I just I scrolled through all the pictures that we keep uh, for the show, and yeah, it just has a straight up outflank ability, short range of any flank table edge. So that that alone may be something that is a very deciding factor for this unit. Oh yeah, that's huge. That that in and of itself is huge. I think um, not trying to throw stones, but I think sometimes people get a little bit greedy with outflank, and uh, they don't necessarily time it just right. Uh, you bring a unit in once some entanglements have happened, once some combats have started to happen, and then that's when you bring them in when they when they can't react to what you're doing. And uh, so they're outflanked. They deploy. They just. I I don't know if you have it in front oh, of you. Do yeah, they just yeah. Get a deploy so deploy at the start of a round. Yeah, start of a round, uh, fully within short end, short range of yeah. a flank table edge. Perfect. So you bring them on and and you do it in your oh, in a turn where you have priority. Yeah, which is fine. You bring them in, yeah, yeah. 
on a turn where you have priority, you grab the swords, you shoot into the flank, you take your rerolls, you presumably do some damage from the flank shot, you presumably, uh, depending on what you're shooting into, do a little bit of damage from the panic, and then maybe you pass out two pillage tokens to, you know, units that are close by. Um, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, I love that ability. Uh, whenever I tinker around with free folk, I always bring uh, Jarl. It's, I just really, really like that ability. It's, it's really interesting. It's really fun, and it's really cool. And if you time it right, it's, it's really devastating. So, yeah, sold. Sold American Tender. I'm sold on the Bowman now. I'm glad I'm here to help. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, Jose, you got anything before you move on? Uh, no, I just agree with Brett. You brought up a good point that the attachment does make them, like, makes you be able to use them a little differently than originally I thought. So that's a really good point. Yes. Well, other than that, then, um, I don't even know what Okay. Well, uh, how about let's move into, I just scroll through the pictures and we go with this. Uh, by the way, the Iron Makers just look dope. Like, super cool. Kind of <laughs> makes me want to have them, but I shouldn't. Um, so we'll go into the, the House Greyjoy starter heroes. So presumably this means what's coming in the starter box. I know that sounded kind of stupid, but I'm just saying it. So we got Asha Greyjoy, Victorian Greyjoy. Thank God he's in the starter. Uh, Roderick Harlaw and Aaron Greyjoy. So many Greyjoys. So we already know what Harlan does. Something about what healing when you kill ranks or some madness like that uh, influence. Uh, Asha's basically Mance Raider, but cooler. Um, Roderick Harlaw is a minor character from the book, but he's he's really cool. I personally like him. He's like totally different than all the Greyjoys and all the Iron Islanders. He's just like a librarian. He just reads all day, and he's a scholar and has like a weird amount of respect for it. Uh, him and Asha are super close. So I don't know if he actually was spoiled, but we'll get to it. Um, so Victorian, from what I can tell... Gregor Clegane, but in cooler looking armor. <laughs> Which works for me. Uh, so he's got Overrun and Furious Charge, so vulnerable on the charge, which is pretty awesome. Definitely no complaints there. Um, and then... Sorry, these are not in order. Ah, we'll go to Roderick. Um, but sorry, did anybody want to say anything about Victorian before we move on? He's not not simple, but you know he's pretty cut and dry. You know what you're doing with him. You're beaten face. So is is his card the one that was leaked where overrun does not allow you to pivot before uh, selecting the unit that you charge? I know there was some conversation about that um, where overrun was rewarded to where. Oh, let me check. I didn't even think to read it. Pivot. Yeah. Mm. When this unit surges forth, instead of surging forth, that unit performs one charge action. I don't see anything about it being reworded. It is. Overrun, uh, everything that we've seen from Overrun, after and after this, something like after this... Oh, do you get a pivot uh, now and now you don't? You get to pivot first, then... But now you don't. Charge action. Right, so he can only oh. charge within his line of sight after he so it is, the unit. It is a so nerf. that's thing. another... That, well, bring it, an interesting bring it thing. down to manageable levels. I, I don't think it's a nerf so much. I think that's what it probably should have always been. 
but um, like I'm no developer, so I'm not harping. I don't on mean them. to. The inter- the I guess I don't mean to say nerf because that sounds like really negative. I just meant like it's controlling it better. Yes, it's definitely. And I think the interesting thing about that is where we allude to with the the long range indication. So that so overrun exists in um, you know Gregor Clegane, the mounted behemoth. It exists in Gregor Clegane's basic deck, and it exists in the Targaryen basic deck. So the interesting thing is, do and I'm just playing the devil's advocate here and trying to stir the pot, but do you really see them having abilities with the exact same name, abilities and uh, tactics cards with the exact same name, but one of them functions completely differently? Now, I know we have hold lines with uh, Donald Noy and Baratheon, which requires you to activate and hold the line from the assault veteran doesn't. Uh, outside of that, do you, is it possible that maybe they're going to go back and clean up the language on some of these other ones, which would be weird because the other two are tactics cards. And I don't know that they're ever going to go back and change tactics cards. So maybe they are just going forward with this. They, they, want, to, they want to keep it controlled a little bit, but it's going to be strange you know, at events where you've got all these different factions, it's like, oh, is that the Gregor overrun that allows a pivot, or is this the Greyjoy more tamed version of overrun? So it's kind of an interesting thing, just a little food for thought, because so that exact ability exists in other places, and it's worded a little bit differently. So it's either overrun or overjog? <laughs> exactly. How How... how I mean, how badly is he looking for another enemy to charge into? Is it like Gregor Clegane level of aggression, or is it the oh, Greyjoy yeah. level? Of uh, Victorian <laughs> is just a beast. He's a beast who thinks he's super smart, but he's actually really dumb. <laughs> but he's a beast. It's actually uh, we were talking about that what like Saturday or something. Uh, his like point of view in the book, in the books, it's it's great because like in his mind, he's he's the one who should inherit the iron throne well to like a degree he's not like super uh, like egotistical but he thinks he's he's really clever smart and he's a great commander and he's a great warrior while he is a great commander and a great warrior uh from everyone else's perspective he's just kind of seen as an oaf <laughs> so I, I we always thought that was uh pretty funny and by we i mean i guess me and the other guy who read the book and then we just tell everyone and they laugh at us Okay, you gotta, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read the book yet. Yeah, you barely watch the show. We know. Don't worry, I'll read the book to you, Brett. That would be fantastic. You can. I'm like, just kidding. They have audio books. The they already yeah, have those. Yeah, it'd be better if you did it. I, you want I my voice? That's not good. Definition <laughs> explanation of things in the book is always great. So. I try to keep it lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jose, you got anything about Victorian? Uh, no, I think we covered him pretty good. It's yeah, a good point out, though, from Brett, because I didn't even notice. I just saw over him, like, oh, he just charges me when I die. Sweet. Yeah, in fairness, I can't take all of the credit for that. That was a Facebook spot that someone someone pointed out. But as I mentioned, you know, there's been a few tags, so I've been dragged into these arguments and just kind of glancing at it and Sometimes I say stuff and sometimes I don't. It depends on how busy I am at work. <laughs> you so popular, Brett. <laughs> We're going to go on to Mr. Harlaw himself, which 
And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first set of releases, we saw the names of a couple units, and one of them was Harlaw Somethings. Uh, so that comes from his house, which sounds dope. Um, Scholar Among Raiders. He has two order tokens. At the start of any turn, you may remove one order token to place any number of tactics cards from your hand to the side, then draw that many tactics cards. Reshuffle the cards you set aside into your deck. So it's just a mulligan in the middle of whenever you feel like it, which is phenomenally amazing. Like, holy crap, that's so important in this game. I can't tell you how much I have I have chased after a card and just been incredibly sad when it's the last card in my deck. That like is Spoils of War or Cruel Methods. Yeah, that's nice. So how many how many points do you guys think he's gonna be? I don't know. That's an incredibly powerful ability. He is at least four. I would not be surprised to see five. Yeah, that's really powerful. Um so you've got I, I, I know you can't compare between factions, but you've got Tyrion, um who's got the order tokens to discard a card and then he increases the size hand and he's he's four. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got Eldon Estermont, who is incredibly powerful, but he is zone replacement, so he's three. Doesn't appear as if this guy is zone replacement. I would nope. err to the side of four, but I'm I'm with you that that I wouldn't be overly surprised to see him as a five. Cards are phenomenally important in this game. Probably equal. Your card play probably is equally as important as the units that you field and the the way that you play on the field of battle is, is what you do with those cards. So uh, card draw is huge. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I think I had like read this in the past when I first got leaked, but I just kind of glanced over it. And then as I just read it now, I was like, Oh my goodness, that's so good. <laughs> I, uh, I think he'll be, I think he'll be four. Like again, what you said, I think he'll be four, but I wouldn't be surprised if five, but I think he'll be four. Card control is really powerful, so he'll be really fun to see anyway. It's interesting just backtracking a tiny little bit. Um, the Baratheons have some some uh, some commanders and some other ways to mess with tactics deck. I have not actually seen him use, though. I think it's Andrew Estermont commander that uh, Andrew is a attrition tactic. That allow, it's an attrition tactic. He allows yeah, you to yeah. um, take wounds to make your opponent discard cards. I am yep. so surprised that you don't see Davos commander used because he adds the movement and then you don't see Andrew used. Uh, it's just an interesting little side note there, but uh, we can move on. I've seen attrition tactics used to discard eight cards out of someone's hand. And I was like, Oh, I've, I've done that before. I, I love using Andrew. Yeah. I think it was you doing it to Angus. <laughs> <laughs> to Angus, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely did that. Like, like twice, like back to back. Like <laughs> it was so like, could you imagine okay. like, you don't put them back in your deck. You discard them. No, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and he was playing yeah, Targaryens. I don't think they have any way to recycle, so they was just gone forever. <laughs> yeah, it's such, yeah, it's, such a, it's such a screw you move. Uh, it's great. I'm I'm glad you use him, Jose. Uh, if I played Baratheons regularly, I would I would use him. I would use Elden Estermont's commander, and I would use uh, Davos. I I think those guys are. Uh, unrightfully kind of pushed to the back in favor of other commanders. I think they're ph- phenomenal. Yeah, I, I agree. I love Andrew. Jose, I think I'm going to ask you to take over 
the next two, which looks like what Theon and Balon, because I can't read those. Uh, give me Good luck. Seconds here. <laughs> Hold on. I, oh well, while you're looking for him, I'll just say, damn it, another Theon. I hate Theon, like as a character. I despise him so much, which is funny because yeah. I use him in almost every list. And speaking of using him in every list, what did I say on Saturday, Jose? I'm up to six games in a row that he's died first turn. Uh, yeah, I... you were pretty. You were pretty upset. <laughs> Polarizing character, and my only experience with the uh, Game of Thrones canon being the show, um, I really hated that dude uh, initially. Uh, watching the show, kind of. Like, I, I think I pointed out before, like, I realized I kicked, like, so the bad guy army. But I, I liked John, and then watching the show uh, reinforced my my uh, respect for him and my love for him. Um, that was a good choice. Uh, he's my favorite character in the show. I know I'm a fanboy because of that, but I love Jon Snow. But uh, Theon, I ended up liking him again, and I was a little bit sad when he ended up dying. Um He's a he's a very polarizing character. I I'll give you that. But uh, you hated him, then you kind of felt sorry for him. When yeah, he's reached. dynamic. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, Jamie as well throughout the show. Jamie, uh, I love. Kind of a, yeah, even when he was kind of an arrogant jerk, I I loved Jamie throughout the whole course of the show. He was definitely one of my favorites. Um, I used mm-hmm. him from time to time. His uh, attachment. I actually liked his commander version that did the short range plus one to defensive saves. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, I haven't honestly tried his current commander, but I do believe that recycling tactics cards, uh, commander tactics cards in particular, is a really powerful ability. So I think he he might be being slept on a little bit. I will make it a point to give him a, a fair shot. But uh, as far as characters in the show, he's definitely up there. It's all about Tywin, you know. my guy from the show. Ah, not love, a bad one. I love, I love Littlefinger. He gets things done, man. Well, he mostly does until the end. <laughs> yeah, up, yeah, up until the end, but worked out real well Any... for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so um, all right, so for Theon, he's uh, I got him here. I got a more clear picture of him, so he's two points, um, and then he has an order. It's uh, reckless heroism. Uh, when this unit performs a charge action before resolving that action, this unit suffers D3 wounds, but counts as rolling a six on any charge distance dice. Um, and then he has swift strike. After this attack is completed, this unit may perform one retreat action. So he seems like a better version of uh, what's-his-face from the Baratheons, uh, Devin. Hold hey, up. Devin has quick, Devin... The... Go ahead. What's the second order swift retreat? It's not an order. It just it just has it on there. It's just swift, it's swift strike. No, it's swift strike. So it's the one that you can do multiple times. Oh, oh I'm nice. so sorry. Okay. I I misread that. I'm sorry. I just I read. I thought it was swift retreat. Swift strike. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So there's but, two. Uh, They're the same thing. Charge. One's an order and one's not. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Nice. Okay. So yeah. That's so two I mean, of my... he's, he's a better version of Devin. I feel like. So that's two of my favorite abilities. Uh, Honestly, uh, I, Reckless Heroism is my favorite new ability that's been that's been released. I absolutely love uh, the concept of taking D3 wounds. It's a little bit of a downside, but rolling a six 
And I'm really glad that they clarified that on all charge distance dice. So there's no question, you know, if they make you roll two, it doesn't matter. It, it's a six. Uh, that's the way it was kind of ruled before with Gregor anyway, but now it's very, very clear. It doesn't leave much room for argument. I love that ability. I love the idea of keeping a unit back 11 inches, and it's like you can't – you can charge me, but you need to roll a six. I can charge you at will, and if I take D3 wounds, I'm in there. So I, I really love that ability. And then uh, being able to pop back out of that combat and uh, anything that involves a free retreat, particularly after attack – it gives you a lot of uh, a lot of options. So, uh, using the combat zone and then taking the the swift retreat and being able to retreat to the side and potentially target a totally different unit that may have their flank exposed. Uh, it, it's kind of a fun little uh, fun little mind game to you know what what your opponent's next move going to be. So, um, I love both of those abilities. So cool. Theon uh, seems uh, seems pretty cool. I think two points is pretty reasonable for those two abilities um mobility in this game is huge and uh taking the dice out of the game minus the d3 uh, obviously that's unpredictable but taking the charge distance dice out of this game is huge because uh i'm sure everybody knows a failed charge is <laughs> it's one of the most deflating things that can happen uh the panic test you have to take and being so out of position and being forced to travel in that straight line and not pivot is so, so dangerous when you need those charges. So I love Rex Heroism. I have nothing to say. Theon, boo. <laughs> no, I, I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll get used a lot. I think he's, yeah, he's solid. I like him, especially for his point cost. I think he offers a lot. So, um, Before I move on to Balon, anything else on Theon, guys? No, I think um, not from me. We know reckless heroism from Devin. I've tried to stick up for Devin and, and point him out as being usable, <laughs> but I haven't been able to sell Justin on it. But uh, I think everybody knows the uh, the power of swift strikes, so there's yeah. there's really no no debate there. For sure. So uh, so Balon, he is five points. And he's uh, an NCU, and he has an ability. It's uh, Rise Again, Blade in Hand. Once per game, when Balon claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with uh, redeploy one previously previously destroyed Greyjoy combat unit fully within long range of a friendly deployment edge or fully within short range of any flank table edge. They deploy activated. And there's no order, nothing. Oh, it's once per game. So, yeah, once per game. I was gonna say, huh, no order. I uh, know. I, I that, was, that was the first thing I was looking for, and I read it too. And I was, I'm like, I'm an idiot, dude. That was, that was the first thing I was looking for. I'm like, is there an order on this thing? Does he? Uh, does it say any unit? So it doesn't matter the point cost. Uh, no, it just has to be. Uh, yeah, any any combat unit. Yep. Like you can. Uh, let me see. Uh, combat unit fully within long range of a friendly deployment edge, or short range of a flank or a table edge. So, but it's then, but they come in active. They come in activated though. What? But it's a Greyjoy unit, right? Yeah, it has to be Greyjoy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're not resurrecting Flademen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, from what I from what I can. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, if it's a friendly unit, 
it could open up the possibility to bringing back Flademan. But I think if it's a Greyjoy unit, then you're limited to, you know, what's in, what's in the Greyjoy army. Uh, so he's basically like the endless horde, except for presumably um, some of the Greyjoy units are a little bit less fragile. That's I like it. I think it is guys- certainly super swingy, depending or not swingy, but uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna dramatically change the course of a single game if used appropriately with the right unit at the right time. Yeah, no, for sure. And I was gonna say, do you guys think he's worth five points? Easily. Yeah, I, I think he'd be definitely worth five points. Uh, I mean, even if you like think about it from a math perspective, uh, even if you get a five point unit uh back uh, the 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 fact that you're now outnumbering your opponent's point list and you've been claiming spots on the board the whole game too he's he's worth more than five points just in the process of getting that unit back yeah no yeah, for, sure. for sure can you uh but, can you imagine using him in uh you know what's that game mode where it has that one like objective card where it's like uh being your opponent's uh, deployment zone Anything oh, with the big that, cards? That would be stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, well, that was just easy. don't just don't use him in uh, Clash of Kings because in Clash of Kings they they come back anyway, but they come back yeah. not deployed. So, <laughs> yeah, every, every I think you should use them. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Oh, I was like, come on, Justin. Come on, no, I'm not that dumb. Oh, the secret mission thing—that's. So rude. <laughs> Those cards that's worth four points too. That's so big yeah. in a in a game to ten or twelve points. I think a lot of the secret missions require you to play to twelve, but that's four points for bringing an NCU. It's kind of like Tywin. I think the panicked, vulnerable, and weakened on the same unit is four points as well. And it's well, I brought Tywin, so I will have my four points this round. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and the other, the other one that does that too actually is the OG Stannis because he puts uh, one of every token down, and then there I think there's a yes, card right does. there too that does that. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's a li- that that's a little bit more. You can play around that a little bit more than Tywin because Tywin can pop off like after the uh, wealth zone has been claimed, so they don't. A lot of uh, factions don't have the ability to remove tokens. Like mm-hmm. uh, off the top of my head, Catelyn can do it you know, with any zone and Jon Snow commander can do it with, uh, for the watch, but a lot of factions. Are just can do it too. So, yeah. Yep. True. So if the wealth zone is claimed, a lot of guys are just, they're just hosed like sad days. My opponent's going to score four points and I can do nothing except for maybe <laughs> run this unit over stakes. And that's something that I've done before. <laughs> like you will not have your four points. I'm going to run this unit over stakes because they're better dead than giving you four points. So ha. That's not a bad move. Oh, hey, Brett, speaking of uh, Balon, you said, oh, you can't resurrect Greyjoy. What if they get a cavalry attachment that makes someone Greyjoy in the future? <laughs> then that would and be they neat. come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted to burst your little Flademan bubble. Stop giving them reasons to make Flademan what they are. I still love Flademan. I have four units of Flademan painted. I have three, and I used them on Saturday. Yeah, I used on my second game. I used them. They flubbed. They flubbed so hard. So much flub. They will. They will have their day in the sun. If there's one thing that I've learned about this game, 
you don't ever sell off your miniatures. Oh, I would never do that. Yep. If it's an army that you play and it's an army that you love, you don't sell them off. No matter how bad that unit is at that moment, you always have to have faith that um, they will make their rounds and they'll do changes and anything that was bad is going to be great. And by oh, the I same would never token, sell off something that got nerfed. Not a chance. If you, if you are spamming a unit, uh, it's pretty safe to say probably at some point they're going to get an adjustment. But it's a thing that I really love about this game um, is that they are willing and and not just willing, but they will. They go in and, and they make these changes to to make things playable and kind of throw a uh, wrench into the gear of the meta. Well, you thought that this was the greatest thing in the world, and now we've changed it. It's good. It's healthy. I blame you with your Night's Watch. Uh, and Ron did it too, but... <laughs> it was mostly you. I don't know who Ron is, but I know who you is. <laughs> Fair enough. I love, I love Ron. No offense, Ron. <laughs> I don't mean to offend you. I just truly do not know who you are. I... Uh, he's a uh, mythicos guy. It's Ron Krasnick. He's uh, I know who you are now. Yeah, he's uh he plays with Chris and uh, Nick. He actually won the uh I think it was Pax Unplugged out on the East Coast. He won with uh three Ranger trackers and two Flademen. And then it was very shortly after that event I uh managed to win those two Adepticon primers featuring Flademen in both lists, so I, I, it's probably completely unrelated, and I think that they did it just because, like, a lot of people were running those vicious and panic-on-the-charge played men. But nonetheless, I'm, for my part, I'm sorry that I did stuff with played men and put them in, like, mm-hmm. every list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, should we – what, the last things we got to talk about are these uh, attachment boxes, I think, right? Oh, no, there's – there's the dragons. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got to talk about the dragons. <laughs> yeah, Tell you what, this we'll one's talk big. About, we'll give five to ten minutes on the dragons, and then we'll just briefly cover the attachment boxes since they were they were leaked on the CMON Expo, and Chase has done a lot of coverage on them as well. So yeah. we can just really briefly touch on those. But, let's, yeah, let's talk about the dragons. Um, oh, we <laughs> see that obviously all three of them are in the game. Actually, Brett, I'll let you talk about the dragons. Yeah, so, yeah, they're all three there. Um, you can see one of uh, Daenerys' Mother of Dragon cards. You can see the names of the other ones, so a lot of that is speculation. I don't have the picture in front of me, but I believe Drogon does... Here, hold on, D3 hold on, plus... I'll get it right now. Yeah, hold I believe on. it's D3 plus three wounds, uh, ranged or melee, and... He has Vicious, and I believe he does something with a Panic token. Um, yeah, it's just, that's nasty. Um, doing, I've, I've seen people compare the dragons to giants, but I, <laughs> that's like um, apples and... Uh, um, peanuts. I don't even, I don't even know. You, it's, it's not a comparison. Apples Vicious, and peanuts. Apples and peanuts. Sure, we'll go with that. The giant has to roll to hit. The giant has abilities that can be shut off. Uh, as I recall, matter of fact, I've got them. Well, I've got pictures of the dragons. Here we go. Yeah, there's a heart next to the dragon's abilities. So 
you're not waldering the dragon. You're not Tywinning the dragon. You can't shut their abilities off. Um, they get a free maneuver, and they ignore intervening units and terrain, and their movement six. So it makes their flying, but that's a total movement of 18 without any movement buff. And it doesn't even look like they have to roll to hit. So I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings, but you can't compare them to a giant. Giants need to be hurt before they start doing damage. These guys are good to go and start doing damage. So with movement six, their threat range, let's see, their breath weapon is, or their ranged attack is short range. So initially you've got a threat range of 12. I guess at that point you could just go ahead and uh, charge. But um, I don't know. That's To me, that's really, really, really nasty. You forgot D3 vicious. plus three wounds. See, yeah, no, I said it. D3 plus three wounds and vicious. Oh. Uh, really nasty. They are killable. They have a four plus defensive save and looks like eight wounds. My picture's a little bit blurry, but it looks like eight. Um, so they're killable. I mean, they're not immune to tokens. So getting off the right charge, you know, a swift advance from Starks, uh, charge from Knights Castle Rock with uh, some help from Tyrion, you've got a really good chance to bring them Bash down. Girl, the but... lieutenant could probably yep. take them out too. Yep. So they're nasty. I mean, you have guys saying like seven points, though. <laughs> I don't think there's seven points. Um my guess is uh, 9 to 10, and there might be some kind of a way to, and I don't know, 10 would be extreme. That'd be 30 points. Um, I don't know. They, I don't think they can be 7, and I think 8 is a little bit too cheap. Um, honestly, I just don't even really want to deal with them. So, <laughs> like, so. I think there's one plus side to the Dragons. Unlike giants, uh, you can attack them. Uh, giants are more more durable. Giants have, what, essentially 12 wounds, right? But they can take panic tests, uh, which is huge. These guys have a dash. So I'm assuming, just like uh, catapults and scorpions, storm throwers, I mean, they don't take panic tests. Uh, but uh, giants are very hard to one-shot, so you never want to attack them if they're act- unactivated. However, That's with giant fair. or with dragons, uh, they're gonna hit you in the face anyways. Might as well go down swinging. Uh, you got no yeah. reason not to attack them first. I think you absolutely want to alpha strike the dragons if you can. If there's any possible way to get them off the battlefield, I think you should. Um, God forbid they get to your flanks or get behind you. My lord in heaven. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least you won't get any so... minuses to your armor save. Yeah, that's true. You're just <laughs> pulling models off. They don't even have to roll the hit. Ha, you might as well say You can put a weakened token on them, but it's not really going to do you any good. Um, I can do you any good. Like it's it's useless. Well, you could expend it to do something neat, I guess. Uh, yeah, high win. Neutrals can adaptive methods. Uh, um, um, Mance raiders, NCU. Yeah, he could slow him down a little bit, I suppose, but he's not a. I don't think that's going to help. Or their abilities. Yeah, nah, you just, hit on automatic still. You hit on automatic still, and you have all your abilities, but by God, I've slowed you down a tiny little bit. 
<laughs> Silly fat dragon. Well, I guess, actually, I guess, wanted to go that route. Unless they were healing them, you could eventually stire them to death. The D3 hits. I'm not so sure that you want to give them. Uh, no, it's only friendlies that get the D3 wounds. So, yeah, I guess that's a viable tactic for free folk. If you've got dire you, trappers, that's yeah. Wouldn't you rather nice be doing D3 wounds as opposed to D3 hits to them? Uh, if you can catch them is the problem. But I'm thinking Steyr, you just put him on them like round one and two, and then you pray to God that your trappers kill them. <laughs> when they yeah, get I think it's also really important to note that these guys are a lot faster than what their card appears because of the Targaryen deck. And, uh, like, um, I don't know how it's going to work, but Daenerys NCU, uh, she can influence them possibly and make them go zoom, zoom faster. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if there's some kind of interaction with Daenerys and the dragons. I'm uh, willing to bet there is, because look at every other named animal in the game. Right. Yeah, so you're, you're probably gonna have to take Daenerys when you when you take them, and it may it may have to be the the new Daenerys because there's like new cards. So I'm assuming there's new Daenerys. So I'm, it might have to be only with her. And uh, I know, Brett, yeah. you were talking about point cost earlier, and I think, I mean, obviously this is not anything concrete or nothing, but it'd be kind of cool if it was like you take one and it's a certain amount of points, and then every other one you take gets a little cheaper. So, like, let's say the first one's 10, second one's 9, next one's 8 or something. That'd be kind of a cool thing, I feel like. So you're yeah, saying you want it encouraged for everyone to bring all three dragons? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's a lot of points <laughs> to your army, realistically, so... I don't know. I mean, and I think I don't think I, I think looking at them based on the one card here, I don't think that they're unbeatable. So certainly not. Yeah, but if, if I'm fighting dragons, I want to fight all three. <laughs> so, yeah, that would be neat. If they were, that's that's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't uh, really heard anybody saying something like that, but that that would be interesting. And without seeing the back of the card, you really don't know what you have to do to bring them. So I, it would be maybe a little bit weird if you could bring them without bringing Daenerys. Um, so maybe there is a stipulation that you have to include some version of Daenerys in the army. But yeah, her NCU making them movement seven, though, is pretty... Ugh. Like, ugh. <laughs> All over the place. So... Um, but I guess we can move on to the attachment boxes really quick and just kind of touch on them briefly because they've been they've been covered pretty well. But uh, uh, where do you guys want to start? Where's the neutral one? They don't. They don't. <laughs> That's where I want to start. <laughs> what the heck? They, like, I think Michael specifically said that because of you that you don't get an attachment box. <sighs> Awful. Woe is me. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that the Baratheon, the Lannister, and didn't the Stark have a cavalry attachment as, or uh, cavalry in the picture as yes. well? Yes. And so I think three. it was named, or at least we can tell from the way everything looks. Uh, Mormont veteran, obviously the picture we saw was female, so that was the female, and then Cranigman is probably the guy with the hood, so I assume the Winterfell Guardian is the dude on the horse. 
Oh, nice. I guess. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, they've got two cavalry units to put him in. Um, it would be pretty interesting. Did they give any indication as to what he does? No. The only one we know that it does, to my knowledge, is a Mormont veteran, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And we know the Clegane Butcher, but this is just an, a little side note tidbit, sidetracking for a bit, um, because we allowed um, the mountain that rides at the Laughter is Poison to Fear event in Indy. I was asked by some people if I felt like we had more Lannister players because he's available, and then I went into this little tidbit that I think that it would be a good shakeup for the meta to allow the mountain that rides at, at events because he does shake the meta up a little bit and it makes things different. Um, but one of the counterpoints to that was, well, not everybody can buy his model. But interestingly, I think that um, it would be cool if events would allow them to buy the attachment box. And if they don't own a mountain that rides model, they could stand in the Clegane Butcher as the mountain that rides. And I know that generally they don't allow proxies and stuff, but this is kind of like, an exception for the time being. So it's just food for thought, you know, um, I think that he should be allowed because I think he, he adds a little bit of spice to the game. Uh, it goes back to some of those, um, lists that are just the same repetitive kind of lists to dog caddies and stuff. They struggle really hard with the mountain that rides when they don't have attachments that are increasing their damage output because he's so hard to deal with and he can zone control those wolves so well. But I think it would be interesting if he was, you know, a little bit more uncaged and allowed, if only to get some some variety. I think it's crazy just in general that a lot of the Kickstarter stuff isn't even out for regular play yet. I mean, I feel like it should be out. It's been, it's been a long time already. So much, is it going on, like, what, two years now since the game came out? Two? Yeah. Two, I think, right? Yeah. So, I, feel, I mean, I just, that's my take on that. Just little tangent we went on there, but I, I feel like it's crazy that that stuff's not out yet. How dare you have an opinion? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a side note about the attachment boxes, too. How sweet are these new sculpts? Yeah, they look I great. Do. All of them look good. Every, every, new sculpt that they release is just awesome. Everything is getting better and better. Um, I love the Night's Watch sculpts still. They're my, they're my favorite. Uh, I have a thing for like cloaks and hoods and stuff though, but uh, the Baratheons have been phenomenal. Targaryens are fantastic. And these sculpts in these attachment boxes is, oh, I'd like, I think I'm going to buy the Baratheon box just to paint that uh, cavalry attachment because it's such an awesome Lord model. of Dragonstone? Yes. Dude, it's so awesome. Um, These Kingsman sculpts for Baratheons look dope, too. Yes, yes. Um, I'm very excited for the... Uh, and I don't know if they've... I don't know if they've gone with a different sculptor, but it definitely looks like um, the quality, at least, is increasing uh, with every release. I think the Baratheon Stannis box is a... Uh, is an exception to that. I think it's an anomaly. You know, the faceless Melisandre and the uh, Cameron actually got a faceless. Uh, who was it? Someone else in that box didn't have a face. Uh, I think it was uh, Davos. I believe his Davos is faceless. But 
I think that's kind of an isolated incident, and their or, their results overall are are getting better and better. Or maybe it's on purpose, and they're faceless men. It could be. Nobody thought about be. that, huh? Bunch of know. plebs. But I honest, I honestly think we can. I think we can wrap it up. Um, there's been plenty of talk and speculation about the the attachment boxes and stuff, and so I think I think we covered a pretty good section of of everything. So if you guys, or if you don't have anything else to add, I think I'm I'm pretty good on it, to be honest. I got nothing. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good as well. Okay, so I don't really have any shout outs except for my same that I always shout out. It's probably redundant at this point. Um, try to support your local uh, your local shop. Uh, still fighting this uh, pandemic. Uh, they still need our support. Uh, huge part of the community. We don't have the in-presence ability to play the game without game stores. So definitely a thing that you should be doing. Um, and then uh, I don't have any local events coming up anytime soon. Uh, you guys got anything coming up? Uh, I think we're going to go play some games tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, no, just no, our weekly we uh, our weekly thing we do, but no, no major events or anything. No. Okie doke. Well, um, I don't really have anything else to add. So say the spiel. You guys, good? yeah. This is the small council, and it is dismissed. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>